Stinging waves, fox beard, look is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are well, good evening, Trekkies and Truckers around the globe. It is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. We are live. That means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. You know, I love that theme song. It just makes me feel so animated. You know what I mean, Eric? Absolutely. It's almost like I'm 2D. Exactly. It's weird, isn't it? Just weird like that. Yeah, so kind of strange. <laughs> so uh, we, we have 127,064 downloads of this podcast. That's amazing. And as of right now, we have 152,794 followers on our Facebook page. So, wow. Thanks a lot to each and every one of you guys for making that possible. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and we have got a great show planned for you tonight. We're going to be talking about the Strange New World's Lower Decks crossover episode, EOF, Those Old Scientists. That's right. We're going to talk about the crossover episode from two weeks of last week. Two, I, anyways, we're going to talk about that episode tonight. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about Under the Cloak of War. And the following week, we're going to talk about uh, Subspace Rhapsody. So that's our schedule for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you can check it out on our Facebook page or trektalking.com. They are going to be. We also have our Star Trek birthdays, our fan shout-outs, and some pretty interesting Star Trek news for you guys tonight. So that's what's going on. Before we dive in, though, I want to go around the room and introduce my awesome, incredible, fully animated Trexperts, and we'll start out in Las Vegas with Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. We finally got out of the 110s, got a bit of a monsoon, now we're down to the hundreds, pushing back up, but... We're also dealing a little bit with what Jim had earlier this season. We got a forest fire not far from us. So, not too much smoke in the air today, but we've had a bunch of it. That that stinks, literally. Yes, it does. And we're going to swing over to my... Triple play in Portland. We're going to start off with the donut guy who didn't bring any donuts tonight. David, how you doing, David? Well, if I ever met my 2D self, I would take his donuts. <laughs> Cartoon donuts sound pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound good. 
And also hailing from Portland, we have the toy guy. How you doing, Paul? Hey, man, I'm doing well. It's been a good week. Lots going on. Lots going on. And, uh, yeah, even made it out to the movies one day this week. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. Ready to, ready to get caught up on uh, Trek stuff. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Lots to talk about. And rounding out my hat trick from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? You know, I am doing quite well. Uh, we were just away for a couple of days, but the shuttlecraft has landed back at home, uh, and I am uh, putting on my communicator, uh, putting on my uh, uniform, and getting ready for service here. So let's do it. It's going to be fun. So um, every week, guys, we like to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening to our podcast. And how do we do that? Well, you go to our Facebook page. And, Paul, how's the easiest way for our fans to find us? Well, assuming you are a amphibian-type person who has flippers, you know, as your primary means of getting around, you're going to want to grow some fingers because it's very difficult to type with flippers, right? So that's the very first thing on your list should be grow fingers if possible. Once you have those, you can move on to step two, which is you type trektalking.com. That's trektalking.com. Or you can go to this crazy, never-ending, turmoil, uh, maelstrom of nonsense called the Internet and uh, Facebook, which, you know, it's got its downsides, let's be honest. And you can go to our Facebook page there, and you can find it that way. Either way will work. But the main thing is you want to make sure to get to trektalking.com. Am I right, Jim? I think I'm right. You're absolutely correct. And once you're there, page. Uh, there's a question asking, where are you from? Just, just tell us. It's really simple. Try to make it interesting, though. You've you got to try to get my attention. And if you just say Joe from Oakland, okay. But, you know, you've got to catch my attention with, with, with lots of emojis and stuff like that. That's how you get my attention. And if you see a heart next to your name from Uncle Jim, then you want to tune into the next podcast because your name is going to be immortalized. And it will be going through the stars for all of eternity as not only a Star Trek fan, but a listener of this podcast. So, Eric, you want to get us started with our fan shout outs for this week? Do I ever. We're going to start out this week saying hello and I'm sending out a big thank you to top fan Nina Crutchley. Nina Crutchley is saying hello to us from Lutterworth in the Midlands of the UK. She says hi everyone and sends us a little sparkly heart. I guess that's what got her on the show. Thank you top fan Nina Crutchley. What does top fan mean? It means she interacts with us a ton on our Facebook page and we do appreciate that despite some of the bad downsides of Facebook. <laughs> so hello, Nina. Thanks for saying hi to us. We're also saying hello this week to Vasilios Adamos, who's saying hello to us from Dasos, Greece, sending us a nice little smiley face with some hearts and a live long and prosperous sign. Peace and long life to you, Vasilios. Thank you for saying hello to us. Also saying hello this week to Carlos Alberto Lugo Lupez, who is hailing from Mexico City, Mexico, one of those places that is really not too far away, but I still haven't been. I need to go. Carlos, it looks amazing. Thank you for saying hello to us and for listening to the show. And my final fan shout out this week goes out to Miguel Nunez, who says live long and prosper and greetings from Honduras. Thank you, Miguel. 
Thank you so much for saying hello, and a big kapla to you, sir. Charles, I'm going to pass this megaphone over to you. Who would you like to say hello to? Well, let's start off right off with Lori Gracie Cat Simpson from Texas. Welcome. Welcome, top fan, Danny Bird from Florida. Top fan, Annette Bosley from Maryland. And welcome to Tom Howard from Ohio. David, who's on your list? Yeah, I would like to give a big welcome to Kevin Wojohn from Mora, Minnesota, USA. Next up is Jessica Bird from Florida with a live long and prosper symbol. I have a top fan, Archie Thomas from Ohio, USA. Last on my list is Lisa McGee Sanders from Tulsi, uh, Tallahassee. Tallahassee, Alabama, USA. Paul, who's on your list? Tallahassee's in Alabama now? It's Tallahassee. It's not Tallahassee. It's Tallahassee. They just move everything around. They're left and right. (laughs) What the hell? You're going to move Atlanta to to Florida next. I mean, I don't know if they know what they're doing down there. I mean, it's crazy. I blame the Florida guy uh, for everything, frankly. We love you, Florida. Yeah, yeah, we love you, Florida. You're great. I don't know how you survive. I really don't. But uh, let's let's move outside of the confines of the United States, if we shall, and say hello to some of our fabulous international fans. First and foremost, let's say a wonderful welcome in Trek-talking fashion to Johanna Gerzelak in Poland, uh, the Polish flag flying proudly there. It is great to hear from you, Johanna. Thank you so much for being a fan and for sharing your enthusiasm with us about all things Star Trek-related. Not too far down the road from Johanna, we're going to say hello to Kara Natasha Castle who lives in the lovely land of Dronfield, Derbyshire, United Kingdom, over there in the wonderful land of England. So how great is that? Great to hear from you, Cara. Thank you so much for being a fan. Bella Roma. Bella Roma. It is Silva Verzari in Rome, Italy. A great big smiling face, and let's face it, we all would be smiling that big if we lived in Roma. So, Silva, it is great to hear from you. Thank you so much for reminding us that Star Trek is a shared enthusiasm across the globe. And then down on the other hemisphere, where I can still hear the sound of carnival music, if I listen carefully, it's Joao Gilberto in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Definitely someplace that should be on everyone's bucket list to visit to. So, uh, Joao, it's great to hear from you, and thank you for sharing your fandom with us. It's wonderful to be part of a shared thing that is Star Trek. Uncle Jim, take it away. Well, I've got some on my list that I want to say thank you to. First of all, top fan J.A. Rabless, who's listening to us in New York. Thank you for listening. We also have top fan Pat Bushlong from Lewiston, New York. That's two New Yorkers there. What are the odds of that? Thank you so much, Pat. We also want to say thank you and kapwa. Dana Struthers, who's listening to us in Virginia. And last but definitely not least, another top fan, Paul White, who hails from Toronto, Canada, and the Canadian flag flying proudly. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. If you'd like to hear your name mentioned on a future fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. And 
every week on our Facebook page. You might notice there's a there's a like a pattern here. Our Facebook page, our Facebook page, our Facebook page. Uh, because to us here at Trek Talking, what you guys think and what you guys say is very important to us. We want you to feel like the part of the show. Basically, this is your all you want and make this your show. So every week I post on our Facebook page. I ask you guys to score the episode, whatever that episode is, on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. I tabulate all those scores, and I read off some of those lucky listeners on the air and what you thought about the episode. Eric, what do our fans think about Star Trek Strange New World, those old scientists? Well, Jim, after this first one, you're going to start to notice a little bit of a theme. Top fan James Shuck, however, did give it a three. Strange New Worlds always seems to be hit and miss. Last week was a hit, and this was a miss. I avoid Lower Decks because it reminds me of an SNL sketch and not a very good one. Star Trek has room for comedic episodes, but not a Trek sitcom. The animated scene at the end was just silly. I understand that some people say they love this episode, but in my head, it's going in the apocryphal file. All right. Thanks, James. Top fan Claudia Weinstein gave it a 20 out of 10. Uh, I think that averages down to 10. <laughs> Truly amazing episode, she says. Thanks, Claudia. Desiree J. Letourneau gave it a 13, <laughs> which I think also averages to a 10. 13 loved it. What a fun ride. Top fan Alan Lanfear gave it a 20 with an exclamation point, so we'll take a 10 for that. Frakes gives a master class in directing fantastic Star Trek, Boimler and Mariner. Live action are great. I'm hoping we see more of them in live form. Mike Colbert said a 15. That is also a 10. Absolutely loved it. It was super cool to see both shows in each other's format. Top fan Sean Jr. said 20. Also averages to a 10. Bloody fantastic this crossover. David Ellis said an 11, also a 10, the perfect melding of my two favorite new Star Trek shows. Darshan Sangha said, I give it a 100. <laughs> I think that's the biggest number we've had, <laughs> except maybe Infinity. Uh, so that's a 10. It was a great and amazing episode. Top fan Deacon Nelson Lowe's gave it a 10. It was just fun to watch, and the humor was great. Aaron Wilkinson said it was great. 9.5. Alan A. Pat gave it an 11.5, also a 10. Loved it. Top fan Margie Rosenblum said, loved it. 11 for me. That's a 10. It's one of my favorite episodes of Strange New Worlds. It's going to be on my favorite episodes to rewatch list for sure. I'm betting the musical episode will be my favorite too. Great season so far. Top fan Mark Hurst said, I am not a fan of Lower Decks. I just think it's too goofy in my perspective. It's not changed. It also seemed like the main characters of Strange New Worlds also thought they were goofy as well. I give it a 4.5. Walt Kennedy said 11. Great fun. I didn't care for Lower Decks at first, but it grew on me. Love seeing those characters come to life. Love the opening credits and the animation style of Lower Decks. Love seeing, seeing the Strange New Worlds characters animated. Fun all around. Jan Mitchell gave it a solid 9 out of 10 because they did both shows and all the characters totally justice. They can't have 10 out of 10 unless we get more or we get the hologram doctor from Voyager in cartoon form. Ooh, I'm sure Robert Picardo would love that, Jan. John K. Addis gave it a 10, best Strange New Worlds episode so far, possibly a 10 
all-time trek for me. I've watched it four times now. I can't think of another Strange New Worlds I've ever watched twice. Oddly enough, I'm not really a Lower Decks fan, my least favorite of all 12 Star Trek series. Ooh, that's interesting. All right, top fan, Joey Kerr. I definitely give it a 10. They merged the two shows so well. I wasn't expecting animated parts at all either, so that was a nice surprise. Of course, it helps when characters look similar to their voice actors. They didn't have to cast two completely different people. David Butler said 9.975. This one is for Paul. (laughs) Commit, man. Don't waffle. Thanks, David. Don't waffle. Robert Williams gave it a 10 plus. It was tight, thought out, not campy, and the animation versus filming was seamless. This episode should get an Emmy on that alone. Makes me wish slash hope for a Strange New Worlds, the animated series, and a live action Lower Deck series in the future. Thanks, Robert. Top fan John Hardy gave it a 10. Put it in the category of DS9, Trials and Tribulations. Top fan Richard A. Rakaza said 9.5 out of 10. I can't believe I kept rewatching it for extra callbacks. And this is my fourth time rewatching it, and it still hasn't gotten old yet either. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Top fan Gene Connolly gave it a 15. You know where that ends up. Top fan Marcus Solama gave it a 10 out of 10, seeing Boimler geek out. Everyone on the 1701 being annoyed by it. And then all of them getting out over the NX-01 was heartwarming. Also, the Lower Decks uniforms look really great in live action. Thanks, Marcus. Gordon Napig Clay said, 10, I feel like this was an achievement for the entire Star Trek universe. So well done. And it's so cool that the two main actors who did the voices from Lower Decks actually look like their characters. Brilliant. Ethan Peck continues to amaze. Carol Kane stole her scene and reminded us why she's a legend. I loved everything about the episode, and I never say that. Thank you, Gordon. Top fan Brendan LeBlanc said 10 with Riker in quotes. <laughs> We're going to talk about that, Brendan. Thank you. <coughs> Aaron Aiken gave it a 9. And that's with looking at it for what it is. Paramount using Strange New Worlds as a vessel to garner interest for other Star Trek IPs. I'm confident there's a segment of fandom who adores Strange New Worlds who wouldn't give Lower Decks the time of day, and I kind of think that's why they did this. I had very low expectations for this episode given the stark contrast between the two series. Strange New Worlds is faithfully giving fans the TOS-style series they want so bad, and Lower Decks exists to make fun of it all. I love them both and compartmentalized them in separate categories. I didn't honestly think it would work out as well as it did, and was actually surprised when it turned out to be a great episode that stayed true to form for both shows. With announcements about this happening as well as, but also especially, the upcoming musical, I've been a little worried about where Strange New Worlds is going. But after watching this yesterday, I've now pivoted to actually looking forward to the musical episode. I really feel like they're striking an excellent overbalance overall balance with this season, juggling serious and playful with each other really well. Aside, just like Prodigy was doing. Thank you, Aaron Aiken. I could not agree with you more. That, guys, gives us a fan score this week of 9.6. I have to tell you, that's pretty high. I believe that is our highest one of the season, is it not? Yes, it is. What do we have to say about it? It absolutely, absolutely is. So, Charles, are you ready? 
I'm ready. Okay, cadet training. <clears throat> a little lean this month, this week, but a few still stuck out. Uh, a portal in the, in the middle of a planet. Well, we've seen one on the city of the city on the edge of forever. TOS season one, episode twenty-nine, and then it got a chance to reappear. Animated series, yesteryear, season one, episode two. At least one per somebody on this group's uh, favorite animated episode. Woohoo! Then it showed up in Discovery, Terraforma part Terraforma parts one and two, season three, episode nine and ten. We got a little a lot of interesting history after that. Oh, then we can come up with TNG Tapestry. Season 6, Episode 15, and DS9, The Abandoned, Season 3, Episode 6. Don John, a Nausicaan game. Well, I was going to say, a Federation game that Nausicaans have a weird affinity for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you don't want the Nausicaans getting mad. No. As in reference to the episode, Strange New Worlds. At Estra Persperia, Season 2, Episode 2. That's now on the recruitment poster for in the Lower Deck series. And then one I thought I'd throw in there for fun. Enterprise. All three seasons, all four seasons. As the crew dreams about the first ship. As Lower Deck sitting there kind of fanning over... The Strange New Worlds crew, the Strange New Worlds crew is suddenly fanning over Enterprise. Because they too remember what history they did. So it sounds like I guess we can talk about this episode. Absolutely. I think, I think it's, I think overwhelmingly our fans, there were a couple of outliers. But for the most part, I think. Everybody really, really liked this episode. I think. Uh, yeah, lots I mean, of hundreds, lots of well, I, above ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, it seems like here's what I what I read from those fan uh, reactions were that when you liked it, you really, really liked it, and when you didn't like it, you didn't like it because you felt a little weird about there being an animated kind of crossover or you just don't like lower decks, and so you probably didn't give, you know, this episode maybe a full chance just because you sort of stepped into it with preconceptions. But I don't know. That's what I just got from the reactions that we just read out. Well, my favorite one was the 9.9785 for Paul. That was <laughs> <one. laughs> pretty good. Yes, you know. I had to put that one in there. Leaving room slide, for perfection. Slide rule not included. <laughs> I saw that one and I said, "Oh my God, this guy! This I got to put this score in there." Yeah, he understands. Definitely understands. He, he, he gets Paul. <laughs> Thanks, David Butler. That was Paul. awesome. <laughs> well, you know, 
I got to say, I'm right there with the fans. You know, I like Lower Deck. I like Strange New Worlds. But when they put them together, it became something more than the sum of the parts. It was just Jonathan Frake knows what he's doing. And he just, it was wonderful. And, And what I liked about it was that one of our fans mentioned they were able to meld. This could have been a lower decks episode because there was a lot of callbacks and references, mostly to Enterprise, which which I thought was great. But but the Strange New Worlds crew was themselves as well. They didn't sacrifice one at the expense of the other. They worked really really well together. And as one of the fans said, I think that uh, you know. Boimler, uh, in live action, was was Boimler. He walked like him. He talked like him. He acted like him. It, it was perfect. Same thing with Mariner. When Mariner showed up, I, I was like, "Wow, they can make an act. They can make a live action movie with these people." It was that good. Um, you know, an animated Pike at the end was hilarious. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whole thing with the Orions being scientists, you know. Um, I, I can't e- there was, I don't even know where to start. I, I There was so much funny stuff in this episode. I, I don't even know what, where, what to say, other than wow, I highly recommend this episode. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. You know what? I will say this. I usually skip the opening credit. But I'm glad I didn't. Because you would have missed some great stuff if you skipped the opening credits. You know, it was an Well, the good thing is that people have the option to go back and rewatch them if they missed them. Yeah, if you did, if you <laughs> yeah. did skip the credits, just know that the opening credits are, are in the Lower Decks style. And not only are they the Strange New Worlds credits in Lower Decks style, but they add just a few things here and there that, if you are a Lower Decks fan, are particularly funny. Uh, I, you know, I was watching with my wife, who loves Strange New Worlds, but she has not seen Lower Decks, and so I did have to do just a little explaining here and there, but it wasn't enough to be distracting. She's like, what's that bug hanging off the nacelle? <laughs> like, oh, let me tell you about that bug. <laughs> you, you know, what... what I thought would have been great is when Rutherford and Tendy were on the other side of Carl, or I don't know, it wasn't Carl, but um, of the time, I forgot what the they portal. called it, the Stargate, whatever it was. When that they was were a portal. on the other side it's of it. a portal. Yeah. A portal, okay. And, a Nostican portal. Nostican portel, yes. When, when uh, Mariner and Boimler were on the other side with Pike and they were going to come through, and you hear Tendy and Rutherford like, yelling, no, no, no. there they are, they're over there, they're over there. And I'm thinking to myself, just swing the camera, just swing the camera around, just, just a tiny bit, just, just enough that we can see through the portal because I want to see live-action Tendy and live-action Rutherford, but we didn't get it, but we did hear their voices, which, which you know. And uh, when Boimler got sucked in, you guys catch what he said when he got sucked into the portal? When Before he, yelled, he became live action? Yes. When he got sucked in, he said, remember me. And that, oh. that was a reference. That was Beverly Crusher in the episode, remember me. And uh, Oh, when the she gets the, when she's the, is she the only one on the ship? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. 
she gets yeah. like sucked out or tries to get sucked out into space or something. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, that's pretty. That funny. was why he said that. And uh, what a Eric. Let's talk about Riker. <laughs> let's talk about Riker. I love it when Boimler like literally it's so off the cuff, right? He just says Riker, and then he swings his leg over the chair. Love that. <laughs> I just cracked up. Well, <laughs> well, okay. They they talked about that one on Ready Room, where he just like. I just did that. And it's like, well, they can cut if they want to. And it's like, I think the thing is, Riker's just off camera watching him do it. And he just throws a line in improv, Riker. And I can just imagine Freak's face when he did that. Like, <laughs> Crack it up. Yeah. <laughs> cut. Print. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was great. That was really Jim. I imagine, great. Jim. I imagine you probably asked me that question because when when I dress up in my TNG uniform, I most people say, "Oh, Riker." And in fact, during the uh, last costume contest at Trekonderoga, I submitted my qualifications as Riker by simply placing a chair in the middle of the floor and swinging my leg over it. And uh, I feel like people reacted well to that. <laughs> <laughs> and we won a we won a prize too. We did win a prize on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, me, and Jamie were there. I was a Klingon, and somebody had a tribble in the audience that kept that kept making tribble sounds, and I kept going out there with my batlet saying, "Where's that tribble? Where's that tribble?" <laughs> we we had fun. That was great. But this episode was just. Have you ever doubted that Jonathan Frakes doesn't get it? you're like in another universe because he nailed it. I don't think this episode could have been any better than it actually was. Um, well, and Jim, it, it, it was, it was good for like, we, I think one of the things that we focus on in the show is like the references and stuff, which we all get because we've all seen all the star Trek from way back in the day. But I'll just say that, you know, when I get somebody like my wife to watch Strange New Worlds with me and she loves the show and then they toss in an episode where there are tons of references that she may or may not get. When she likes that episode, that tells me it's a good episode because it does not rely on the references. The references exactly. only kind of enhance the experience. Exactly, man. Well, that's a really good point to make because they, you know, I'm gonna, I think a lot of people may have had a similar reaction that, that I did when we first heard about this, you know, months ago, right? When they first started telling us about the season. Initially, it's, it's, it really smells like, uh-oh, gimmick, right? And you're like, oh, dear God. And, of course, you know, this is kind of a theme in a lot of what we've been talking about lately, like preconceptions, right? And so initially yeah. we're like, oh, boy, it's going to be some cheesy bullshit. And I think everyone's very suspicious, right? But then it wasn't, right? It wasn't a gimmick because they, they took it really seriously. And it's almost like they took it really seriously from two different dimensional layers, right? Yeah. Really, if you want to get really technical, like, yeah, like four, really, you know, like both <laughs> levels of uh, the Lower Decks universe and being yeah. true to making it a good episode of Strange New Worlds, right? And and keeping fealty to all that and all those parts fit together seamlessly with no gaps, right? And so it was it was hilarious and you got lots of references for sure, right? And a lot of broad comedy. But you also got to have the the a genuine story with, you know, really good emotional through lines 
for Boimler, right? And for uh, for Pike at the end, really nice character moment for him, right? About that had some some actual warmth in it. it wasn't just shtick. So it was just like they really made a good story. And the 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 business about like, hey, you know, you're kind of being a racist dick by assuming all Andorians are pirates, and keeping that through line going Ryan. from the animated world all the way across back over here, and making it part of the plot. I thought that was just incredibly smart and well done and all that stuff was great, but none of it somehow managed to sacrifice the comedy. Right. And also let's, uh, this episode looked gorgeous. I don't know what was going on with the cinematography. If it would, they used a different style of shooting, if they used different lenses or what the deal was, but it just looked fantastic. It really felt like a widescreen uh, cinematic episode to me. Yeah, it really did. And uh, the way the uh, the portal looked when they were down on the planet looked very cinematic. Uh, framing was great. Just looked really, really well composed shot. It was just really freaking hilarious. And uh, I thought that the uh, the uh, Stranger Worlds cast was just everybody was at the top of their game. Right. I just uh, Romaine was hilarious. Um, uh, Pike was hilarious. But but very true to character, right? They're kind of, you know, risk being the straight men in this situation, right? But, but none of them were. I mean, Pike's, you know, really near the beginning of the episode with the communicator, right? But flipping it open is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> great. And he delivered that line just perfectly, right? Because it's hilarious, but he's not, you know, desperately get, you know, reaching for the laugh, right? I mean, it's just it was so well done. And so stuff like that, um, just, you know, the reaction like you know Mabenga about the tricorder exploding you know and uh, and a lot of really really good work from uh, Mr. Spock I mean that guy is just a treasure right and the whole uncanny smiling thing and uh, how that just freaked out uh, Boimler I mean those are just such great moments um, and I feel like you kind of feel like okay we, we sort of know where this episode is going da 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 and just when you're at the point where you think, okay, and you know what to expect, here comes Mariner, and she's a breath of fresh air. You know, she really is. She just re-energized the entire second half of the show, and uh, and she's just hilarious. And she's dragging everyone down to the bar to drink, which is exactly what Mariner would do. It's <laughs> just, you know, perfect. And uh, the whole idea of meeting your heroes and having everyone not exactly be what you thought they would be and knowing too much about them and being tempted to just – share your enthusiasm with them, which you really shouldn't do. And, you know, the whole, you know, can you just look the other way? Because I know how to track the Andorians, just all that stuff, which is very, very well written and uh, and just just solid as a rock. So to me, it was just joyful, right? And I think most people who, you know, outliers accepted, most people who watched this episode had a great big smile on their face when it was over. Agreed? Yeah, absolutely. You know what and, I thought and, was, was, really, oh, was really, really funny was, when when they were in the when they were in lower decks world, Boimler pulls out his uh, night shelf or whatever, and there's the picture of Una up there on the poster. And For like a you remember of a what second. <laughs> you remember what Ransom says and high fives him. He's like one of the best looking Red, women in Starfleet five. or something like that. The hottest first officer in Starfleet. Yeah. High five. And what makes that <laughs> which is a Ransom funny Is he's married to her in real life? Yeah. <laughs> number uh, Rebecca Romaine is his wife in real life, and they're both number and, ones on Star Trek. 
and it's totally in character for Ransom to say some stuff like that, right? Like he would look at a poster and he'd just comment mm-hmm. on that kind of thing because he cares about bodies and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Paul, I was just going to say that I I loved what you were just saying about those character moments. And one of my favorite parts of this episode was actually the interaction of Boimler with Pike when Boimler's talking about possible Pike futures, right? And he's all episode long, he's been trying not to say too much of the future, but then he sort of learns that Pike already knows what his future looks like. And he just steps around that topic, not not daintily, not like he's walking on eggshells, but with real respect and with an understanding that Pike knows what's up, Boimler knows what's up, and they're still going to have an intelligent, cool conversation about it. I just loved that scene. Yeah, and then, and it's, I think you make a great point, you know, because on on the show, Lower Decks, you know, Boimler's very often the doofus, right? I mean, he, you know, he's just, he's not an idiot, but he's, you know, he does a lot of sticky stuff, right? And and things that you know, common sense would not dictate that you do. But I feel in this way, they they made him like almost more of a, a believable character, like a believable, relatable person in here, because he's he does have uh, he, he does some smart things. He does some caring things, too, which is kind of surprising. So I, I think he came across really, really, really well. And uh, and just, you know, it, it was a – I mean, I think that uh, I was shocked, but my reaction when it was over, I'm like, well, we need to do that again. All right? yep. we, need, we need to have other – you know, <laughs> this, this can't be the only time we see these characters interact, right? And are we going to – you know, let's, let's get Tendi in the mix. Let's, let's do more of this stuff, right? Because it, it works, not in a gimmicky way. But if you can get a script that's that good, because that script felt like genuine, legit, cross-franchise Star Trek, okay? It felt the way good original series feels. It felt the way good next-gen feels, right? It had all those <laughs> – it just really did. And that's an intangible thing, but when you, know, when you feel it, you know it, or vice versa. <laughs> but, but it was just so enjoyable. It was very pleasurable, and I think it, uh, it, it was a real uh, – you know, jolt of enthusiasm for fans of the show. So I think it was great. Very, very delighted by it. Well, you know what made it work, what made it so uh, special and made it work, Paul, was the fact that Charles and I were talking about this uh, last week. Um, This was not your typical crossover. This wasn't like um, the Enterprise stopping at Deep Space Nine and, and Picard having a confrontation with Cisco and then leaving or, you know, Harry Kim sitting down at Quark's or, you know, it wasn't just some passing, you know, two or three minute, you know, crossover gimmick deal and then leaving, you know, the entire episode was, was both shows melded together perfectly and they both kept their flavor. They both kept their uniqueness, but work together and it was the whole episode it wasn't just like a quick little hi i'm picard i'm on deep space nine and i leave it was the entire episode and it worked it worked wonderfully and yeah let's not do it as a gimmick let's do it for real they build when they build a new enterprise they use a part of the previous ship to build around it i didn't know that that was something new well and jim so they're 
no, nobody knew that because they just introduced it, but it also is not inconsistent with what they've done in the past. So I thought that was really cool. It was like well, a little change. And it seems exactly. appropriate with like nautical and maritime history, yeah. right? I mean, totally. it's just when you hear that, you buy it, right? That's, yep. the, that's the definition of good writing is it, 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 you can suspend disbelief. It doesn't seem like a contrived thing. You're like, oh, that fits. That, it's like it may be new information, but it doesn't feel like new information. It was actually it not like new something. information for me. I actually knew about that because they've actually mentioned that before in one of the Strange New World episodes when they were signing their name on the bulk plate. So they were using that same old ship part from the previous ship, but I just didn't know it was actually underneath a bulkhead inside i thought it was going to be on the outside of the ship because that's that that's what the whole situation was when they were outside out in space using the force field to keep them from getting sucked out in space but yeah they were signing their names on that huh kid at bingo yeah i I must admit i i started like getting a little bit of heart flutters in that moment because i wondered if we were going to see the nxl one I, yeah, I was too. like, if I if we had seen the NXO one, I probably would have lost my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me. Let you me, know what made that scene so tri- great was the fact that that uh, not only Boimler and Mariner were were fanboying over them, but at the same time, the Strange New Worlds people were fanboying over Archer and, and Pike were talking <laughs> yeah. about Archer, and it was like. I, they were having the same moment about Archer that Boimler and Mariner were having about them, which yeah. I thought was yeah. a great twist, you know? Okay. And I think uh, it's going to be very <laughs> difficult for Ethan Peck to avoid the moniker of Hot Spock for pretty much the rest of the time he's, <laughs> he's on this show. He's that's, now Hot Spock. <laughs> that's stuck like Velcro, right? I mean, that's just like, you know, this totally. is the casual way she refers to it, like that's his name. Oh, that's Hot Did Spock. you see what Hot Spock did? Oh, my God. <laughs> She's, she's very funny, and uh, they're, they're talking about how slow everyone talks. <laughs> you know, this is, I, I don't know to what degree they let uh, those two improv. It feels like maybe they got to improv a little bit, right? Because they just know the thing so well, but it was just hilarious. And just a little throw in there, I mean, sure, maybe obvious, but uh, the Orion Scout ship is the way it looks. And here is exactly the way that they made uh, the uh, uh, Orion ship look in the remastered version of Journey to Babel on the Blu-rays, right? Because oh. originally on the original series, right, it was just a swirling bunch of lights. It was moving That's so what fast. I thought, yeah. Yeah, but it is exactly with the, hmm. the – it's got those kind of sphere, spherical orbs that are rotating around each other. Um, I know this because Eagle Moss made a model, model of it they can get. It's actually pretty nice. So, um, But it's exactly the same version of the ship, which is great. So real nice you know, uh, continuity across a whole lot of different things there. And again, when you're able to put in those things that are nice little Easter eggs or tips of the hat and it doesn't feel distracting or obvious, it's not easy to do. And I kind of feel like, you know, uh, you know, I, I think Jim kind of identified it really well at the beginning. Uh, I think a lot of that's, you know, the hand on the tiller is Frakes here. I think who's really good at sort of saying, okay, when to go forward and when to kind of like dial it down a bit. Right. I think that's what the well, mark of a really good director is maintaining the appropriate tone and not letting things get out of hand when you've got a bunch of different moving parts. So I think, uh, you know, as good as this script was, I'm sure that uh, if you have to really, you know, say, uh, why is it successful? Uh, because of the balancing act of all that stuff. And, you know, you got to give credit, of course, to the cast, who is magnificent. 
but I think you got to give a lot of credit to Briggs. He's just, you know, well, like look at how much good stuff um, he just did on, like, the last season of Picard, right? I mean, he was the MVP for that season three, right, through and through. And he just, here he is again. The guy is just, you know, uh, seems incapable of screwing up. So, knock wood, he's just great. Scene where Mariner is telling Una that uh, Boimler has a pinup of her in his bunk. And Una's thinking a different thing than what, what Mariner is like, are we thinking, are we saying the same thing? That whole scene, just, <laughs> I was just cracking up because Una had a completely different version of a pinup than what Mariner had. And she's like, you mean it a, was just, using a pinup? I mean, like a pin, that's a whisper, right? It says it all. You mean a pinup? It was the way they both reacted and the way they played that scene, um, I was cracking up. And then Boimler goes off down the hallway with his Boimler walk. You know, it, it was great. It was great. Yeah, and Chapel was great too. Heard. Have you have you started throwing? Okay. <laughs> we, we haven't heard from okay. we haven't heard from David. Jump, well, jump Charles, in here, David. Charles. You're off the fire. I, I want to give Charles something to say. He's been trying to say stuff. Yeah, and I got two guys that just kept going. Okay, <laughs> trivia. What did we first learn about this episode? Oh, like way before this season started, like a long time ago. Uh, I'm going to say six months ago. I'm going to say August 2022. Nope. It was definitely something. San Diego Diego Comic Con 2022. That's pretty Hmm. close to August. When uh, when Mariner and Boimler show up on the Strange New World panel. All right. And they announced oh. that they're going to have a crossover episode. We've known about this episode for a year. Okay. From July of 2022. That's amazing. Yes. Wow. Yeah. All righty then. On the book <laughs> so, David, yeah. what did you think of this episode? Uh, yeah, David, it. let's hear from you. Okay. Talk, David. Spill it. Well, the, for the sake of Worf, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> no, on Worf's honor, it's like instead of the Boy Scout honor, it's Worf's honor. <laughs> which <laughs> I just loved. <laughs> it's like, everybody's like, who's Worf? I mean, they didn't um, say that, but their, their look said, who's Worf? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, overall, this episode, of course, I, I would give it more than a 10 if I could, but, you know. <clears throat> But yeah, uh, there was a lot of fun things that I liked about this episode. The uh, uh, so here's the thing: I've been watching Strange New Worlds lately now for the last past month with my dad, and my dad had always been like complaining about the certain writing styles that Strange New Worlds had been going with so far. So he said this by far was his favorite, and it was like. It was such an interesting twist to hear from my dad saying that from all the other episodes in the past were like completely, you know, way down in like the three rating. But this is like saying all of a sudden he liked this particular episode. This all of a sudden made me feel like, you know, this particular episode, just the crossover, made it feel so much more fun and made it feel so much more better hearing it from somebody who doesn't enjoy this type of writing style that Strange New World had been doing lately. 
But then when he said that, I was just like, wow, okay, yeah, this this episode really made a difference with uh, what he just like 360 uh, uh, had a completely different opinion about this episode. And it was just like, yeah, it really, it really was probably one of the best golden episodes I've ever actually seen. So this in particular, and of course me being a uh, lower deck fan, I I really to put this episode <clears throat> to heart for myself mainly because I get all the references and I like what they portrayed and the very first thing that I remember this is probably my favorite part of the entire episode when Boimler finally came through uh the portal and he said, "Whoa, you guys look really realistic." <laughs> I just burst out yeah, laughing that was from that point on. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was just—it was just a all of a sudden subtle way of saying, you know, like going from a cartoon world to the real life. It was like that probably something somebody would say if he would, you know, all of a sudden came through like that. And it was just, yeah. <laughs> well, this was the right episode, David, to bring the audience kind of along for the ride, right? Like that sort of line is not for anybody on the show. It doesn't actually mean anything on the show. That's a that's a line that is totally built for the audience. And it's it's like a fourth wall break without there being a fourth wall break, which is why it was so freaking brilliant. Because if you're going to do that in an episode, this was the right episode to do it in, right? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this episode. And um, I, by far, there are so many funny parts. You guys probably said it most of them already um but yeah uh just oh there are many I, more I, I like <laughs> I, I like the subtle uh thing that Boimler had a like a, a crush on um uh Romaine uh what's her character Una, Una. Uh, number one yeah number one and I liked how um uh sorry I'm having a, a mind loss all of a sudden they got the uh man have a donut <laughs> I like how Mariner just kept touching everything. She was just like, no matter where she was, she was just like touching little things here and there. It was just <laughs> so, uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I can't really think of anything else. But yeah, someone else go. <laughs> well, uh, that's a 10 for David. Well, that's... that's a 10 for me. What about you, Paul? Oh, score time! I would. I have to go ten. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's three ten. All right, Eric. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm trying to go whole numbers for Paul here. I'm going to go nine point <laughs> five just because I didn't learn any important lesson, and I feel like all the Star Treks that are a ten for me are ones where there's like a, mor- a moral, you know. Wait that a minute. Wait said, a minute. Wait a minute. You're saying at the end the conversation with Pike about like being, you know, make make time for your friends and the, uh, you know, don't worry about, you know, they're going to miss you. They wish they had one more conversation with oh, you. Oh, good thing. point. I think that was a lesson, right? It was certainly a lesson for Pike, for sure, that I think he needed to hear. I think that's why that resonated so much. So devil's advocate, man, for the other point five. Just remember that if that scene never (laughs) happened, the end of the episode would have never happened either. Exactly, brother. 
<laughs> okay, okay. I've been convinced it's a 10, and it was amazing. 9.95. I love <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and name off references, but I'll just say that a couple of my favorites, like the koala during the opening credits, amazing. Oh, yeah. The, like, uh, Bell Riot's uh, DS9 reference, awesome. Um, you know, NCC 1701 what? <laughs> That's it. What would come after the dash? Dash what? Yeah. The Trelane Q connection. I mean, there were so many, like, cool just little references that um, I feel like, like many of our fans, this is an episode that I want to go back and watch again. I've only seen it once, but uh, a 10 out the gate is not so bad. So, yeah, 10 from me. Well, Charles, that, you got the caboose, buddy. Okay. Well, since I really didn't get a chance to say a whole lot about the episode, what about the uh, <clears throat> Boimler and Spock and the science experiment? Oh, hmm? yeah. Pulling out those glasses? Yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, should, we, <laughs> should we run? It's like, yes, we should run. Yeah. Like those glasses are going to save him from an exploding thing, right? <laughs> and then you you look at the post, and then you see Spot looking over one side. Boy, we're look at the other with those glasses. It's like that was another ride I seen. Okay, just for Paul, into almost perfection, nine point nine five. And hold on, there's one other thing that I didn't mention, guys, that I just want to talk about real quick. So do you remember when Uhura is looking through the the language things on her um, on her tricorder there, and she comes across, I think it was like Cardassian and Bajoran, yeah, uh, Dosican. So that that's new canon, right? The fact that we already know about the Bajorans and the Cardassians way back in the day, that's new canon, right? Mm. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think they've been around a while. But yeah. I don't remember really hearing about, about them, them before TNG, though. Well, I do know that the 2009 version of uh, Star Trek uh, ordered a Kardashian drink. So. Oh, she ordered Kanar? Yeah, yeah. She, I don't know. If, yeah, she did, yes. Uh, okay. I, I, I just don't know, since they're in a different universe, technically, you know, uh, it might not make a difference. But, um, eh? So, yeah. Okay, and that was just very – I know we're, we're already done with scores, but that was just a, like, a surprise moment where I was like, oh, well, that's very interesting. They know all about Cardassians and Bajorans already. So, cool well, pre-canon, I, just, I guess. One thing I just wanted to say in closing here while, while, uh, while Charles tallies up our scores, um, one of the things that really, really appealed to me was the fact that they didn't make a big deal out of the fact that Lower Decks is animated, Strange New Worlds is not. When when Boimler comes through, it's just like, oh, he's another Starfleet officer. And they just accepted him as that. And then even at the end when they became cartoons, it was like they were always meant to be that way. They did make it a big deal. And I liked that about the show. You know? Hmm. So, Charles, what are our scores compared to our fan scores. Well, with the fan or choosing to go with a 9.2, we actually beat the fans this time with a 9.99. <laughs> 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 
That, wow. that, one, that one for and Paul. And see, that's, that's, that's why, that's, this is, this is why I, I, I have to just, you know, vent just for 10 seconds. Oh, God, here we go. Hold on, I'm going to. Yeah, I know, you're going to hang, hang up the phone. <laughs> so look, look at the enemy of, of, uh, of, of uh, a beautiful work of art that the, the, the pettiness can be, right? When you just can't quite bring yourself to just do, give it the full thing it deserves, you end up with this lopsided thing, you know, that history will not look kindly on. So I'm just saying, you know, history will go, God, why did somebody just can't just give the love, man? Why did it have somebody have to like shave two points off? You know, are they in Congress? What's the deal? So, and the answer, that that, there, gentlemen, and the answer to that is that there's always room to grow, Paul. There's uh, you oh, never yeah. know what perfection is because none of us have ever experienced it. Uh, well, still, we're talking about a freaking yeah. animated show. Uh, oh, come on. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> Paul, about the revenge of math geeks. Yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, not my jam, brother. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe it's mine. All right, we'll rock on. <laughs> well, now that we've got our scores, but we actually have a caller on the line here. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Let's see here. Come on. You can do it. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. It's Nate so from Nate. Vegas. How you doing, Nate? And What's I'm here buddy? to lower the score a notch. Well, we already tallied our score, so. Too late, brother. Well, then I'll just hang <laughs> you up missed the boat. I, I have nothing to say then. You guys have a good day then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the episode, Nate? Uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Tell us it more. Was, uh, what's Why'd that? you like it? Tell, tell, tell you us more. more All yeah. right. Well, right, right from the beginning, Having the animation uh, opening credits, that sucked me in right from the beginning. I was like, all right, this is, this is going to be good. Um, and I know you guys have already talked about a little bit of that already. But, yes, uh, that, that was a big positive for me. I liked how uh, the Enterprise uh, looked in that. It looked more cleaner, like TO, actual TOS filmation um, Enterprise. Um, with the white coating as opposed to the darker uh, Strange New Worlds uh, uh, paneling uh, in the live action. So I, I appreciated that. I did uh, appreciate the, the touches from lower decks, such as the space worm uh, or whatever that thing is uh, that attaches to the nacelle, uh, like uh, with Doritos. So I liked uh, that uh, tie-in there to uh, lower decks. So yes, uh, right from the get-go, bunch of positives for that. Um, the, the whole thing, uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, at first, it seemed like things were wrapping up too quickly. Um, you know, when they, they were like, well, uh, we got to get him back. And they went back and, uh, and, uh, obviously it didn't work because, uh, Mariner ended up coming through and they used the last bit of all the juice. Um, so I, I appreciated that it went a bit longer there. Um, some negatives towards it, uh, unlike unlike what Eric said, uh, I did not like the, what I felt was a cheat uh, of, oh, uh, the, uh, we, yeah, this, this supposedly, first of all, supposedly this, this material that the, uh, the gate operates with is very rare. 
Uh, and then we find out, no, it's not rare that uh, all the – now, yes, 100 years ago, that's when uh, NX was built. But obviously, it's not as rare as we're led to believe uh, if all the holes of Earth fleet ships, because it's not United Federation of Planets at that time, uh, Earth fleet ships were, were built with this. Um, uh, and then to find that it was, I, again, I felt it was a cheat, a missed opportunity, uh, really, uh, to hey, say, no, uh, yeah, we're just going to empty the, or open this panel in this little vial. Uh, obviously, it wasn't little, but basically this little container uh, has what we need. Um, the missed opportunity was the fact that you're, okay, you're name dropping crew from uh, Enterprise, yeah. uh, and you're name dropping the ship. You have the assets. Yep. Obviously, it exists of of the NX refit at the museum. Yep. It's been sitting there at the museum. You have it, the, it in Picard's uh, uh, digital assets for it. So at the very least, you could have shown, had them leave and go grab this uh, the parts of the hole off the NX refit um, because. The whole top section of the NX refit is still the uh, original NX. So we, you, you name dropped all this stuff, and then you didn't give us, you didn't give us the 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 cherry on top at the end. You're like, nope, here we're going to dangle the carrot out here, uh, but nope, and then we're going to snag it back and and deny you uh, a look at at something we already have the digital assets for. And uh, so that that was a big negative for me uh, on it. Um, totally agree overall, with that one, Nate, by the way. Totally agree with that okay. one. Like, as I freaked out earlier, I said if I would have seen the NX-01, I would have gone berserko because I think that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. But wouldn't that also have, like, slowed down the story, guys? I mean, at that point, you're, like, wrapping well, everything up, right? I mean, that would have been, like, uh, I think that's one of those judicious calls you make is, okay, that would have been – you know, cool, but did they it serve the plot? They don't have to take plot? any more than a couple yeah, minutes. More of a, it, I, mean, I mean, but to go to all that expense and the animation right. for a couple seconds, it's like, then I think we're like falling into like, but, you know, fan service that isn't really necessarily serving the plot, and the plot has to rule. But but it is serving the plot of the fact that you're telling us that it's coming from the NX. Well, then show us the NX. Don't don't not even show us anything about it and say, oh, all this time we had this little vial of... of but then they have uh, to go to where the, the NX, NX is, anyway. and they're nowhere near that. That's just that there's another trip involved, and it's just like, the NX isn't even anywhere where they're at. They're way the hell out in space. It's just that you have to take them there. And that would have slowed down the story because they have to be near that planet because that's where the warp thing is. It would have been completely... Uh, you know, it would have just really slowed down the inertia of the plot, especially when you're knack four and you're trying to wrap things up, right? So, I mean, it's a cool idea. I like to think that maybe it means at some point, clearly, we'll see the NX at some point because they start well, referencing it. Probably, like Chekhov's gun, you're going to see it. So, you know, uh, I think it's it's something that would be fun to see. I just think it was would have been way excessive and indulgent this time out. Well, the demo. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Did do. <laughs> is it demonstrated the fact that that um, uh, that Mariner paid attention when Boimler dragged her to the NX01 museum because she's the one that knew where the where to go to find that part. Mariner knew that Boimler didn't know that, but Mariner did because she paid attention when he was playing around with the grappler things. Remember in, in that that line that <laughs> right. dropped on you. I like the so grapplers. that's how they that's how they explain that because. 
because Mariner was paying attention while Boimler was fooling around with the grapplers. So she knew exactly where that part was. But what else, Nate? You got any other, like, big parts of this episode that you liked or didn't like? And what's your final score? Uh, So let's see. So those are are my big negative and positive. Um, Overall, it was pretty enjoyable. Is there any other standout moments or big drawback moments? Um, Not that I can think of. Uh, off the top of my head that really stick out right now. Um, of course, when we get done talking, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this or that. But uh, <laughs> overall, because I still think I still think that the courtroom episode, episode two, was their best episode of the entire season for me. Um, therefore, I can't give it the same score I gave that. So I'm, And I give whole numbers, so I'm going to drop your 9.99, uh, if you figure mine into that score, because uh, my score is going to be a seven for it, uh, because I gave that episode an eight, the courtroom episode an eight. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, overall, a seven for me, and overall it was a great episode. Um, those were my big positive and negatives off the top of my head. All right, awesome. there you have it, and uh, we're thanks for uh, calling, Nate. We're running. Yeah, well, you can hang around, Nate. You're welcome. To All right. Out. Well, uh, yeah, I can't wait till we talk about tonight's episode because I'm really going to drop the score for you. <laughs> well, you got to wait two weeks for that. <laughs> two weeks? We oh, my goodness. Weeks. We're two weeks behind because of the double week episode, huh? Or the double episode week. <laughs> yeah, we're going right, to talk I'll about wait. Under the Cloak of War next week and then after that. So okay. um, it's. It, it's time for us to dive into our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. All right, guys, we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we are going to be remembering seven members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Melvin Belly. Melvin Belly is most famous as a criminal defense and personal injury lawyer, not an actor, but he also played the role of Gorgon in the TOS third season episode, And the Children Shall Lead. Among his many legal accomplishments are the defense of Jack Ruby, the man who murdered Lee Harvey Oswald, and numerous refinements to personal injury litigation, including day-in-the-life films designed to graphically demonstrate the impact of injuries on their victims. He was also Mick Jagger's defense attorney uh, for the Rolling Stones. In this capacity, Belly appeared in the 1970 documentary Gimme Shelter, which dealt with the disastrous Altamont Free concert and its aftermath. So Melvin Belly would have had a birthday this week, July 29th. Happy birthday and lots of remembrances going out to Melvin. Happy birthday as well to actor Jack Blessing. He played the Department of Temporal Investigations agent Dolmer in DS9's fifth season episode, Trials and Tribulations. Uh, He, uh, for many, many years, uh, was an actor in the 80s, uh, semi-regular actually on Moonlighting uh, back in the day. 
He's got many, many other credits to his name, uh, including lots of television stuff, lots of film stuff. Uh, there's Moonlighting, there's Remington Steel, there's MASH, there's Quincy, all of those great shows from that time period. So Jack Blessing uh, playing that temporal investigations agent, Dulmer. Happy birthday, Jack. Happy birthday as well to Wendy Hughes. She was the Australian actress who played Nella Darren in the Next Generation six-season episode, Lessons. Wendy had a reoccurring role as Dr. Carol Blythe through the first season of Homicide, Life on the Street, and co-starred uh, with a bunch of folks from Star Trek in a 1991 miniseries, A Woman Named Jackie, which actually dealt uh, with uh, a detailing the life of John F. Kennedy. Not a bad thing. I've actually seen it, believe it or not. So Wendy Hughes would have had a birthday this as well, July 29th as well. Happy birthday, Wendy. Happy birthday as well to actor Ted Cassidy. Ted Cassidy was the actor who played Ruck in the original season, original series first season episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, Ted Cassidy, very imposing guy, uh, did uncredited voiceovers for the series as well. He is six foot eight inches tall uh, and probably best known, of course, for portraying the butler Lurch on the television series The Addams Family from 1964 to 1966. Uh, he started working on films in 1960. I did not know that he voiced the Martian in the science fiction film The Angry Red Planet, and that was kind of one of his first gigs back in the day. He also appeared later in some Gene Roddenberry uh, projects. In 1973, he played uh, Isaiah in the unsold pilot Genesis 2, which we've talked about on the show occasionally. He would also reprise that role in 1974's pilot for Planet Earth, which also included actors like Diana Moldar, one of my favorites. And these two pilots, which featured the exploits of a Rip Van Winkle slash Buck Rogers type hero named Dylan Hunt, served as the basis for Roddenberry's Andromeda, which actually did get made. Now, Jim, I know you want to say just a little bit more about Ted Cassidy, don't you? I do. <laughs> Hit it. You right. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Uh, so happy birthday, Ted Cassidy. Uh, would have had a birthday on July 31st. Happy birthday as well to Nehemiah Persoff. Nehemiah Persoff uh, was the American actor who played Paller Toff in the Next Generation third season episode, The Most Toys. Uh, Nehemiah Persoff has been around forever or was around forever. Uh, well over 200 film and television appearances to his credit. Um, early in his career, he was sort of known for playing villainous tough guys, such as mobsters and gangsters. But then later in his career, he kind of pivoted and became a more gentle, kinder guy. Uh, he's most notable for such roles uh, like a pair of Papa characters in two different films from the 1980s. He played Rabbi Reb Mendel, Yentl's father, in the 1983 musical Yentl. And he's got a couple other ones in there. He made 200 television appearances, like I said, and he also his most notable one as a mobster is that of Jake Greasy Thumb Guzik in three episodes of The Untouchables. So Nehemiah Persoff would have had a birthday just yesterday. Uh, he did live, though, guys, to be 102 years old. So that is something special. We lost him just last April, April of 2022. Happy birthday, 
Thank you so much for your contributions to Nehemiah Persoff. Happy birthday as well to Theodore Carroll Marcuse, known as Theo. He was the actor who played Korob in the original series, second season episode, Cat's Paw. Uh, Marcuse began his television career in 1950 and his movie career just five years later. He had a very expressive face, which uh, got him cast as sinister folks uh, here and there. He worked steadily from the time that he was on Star Trek until his death just over six months after he filmed his Star Trek appearance uh, and just one month after it, it aired. He unfortunately died in a road accident in Hollywood. Among his many, many television credits, uh, he also played one of the Riddler's henchmen in the original Batman series. Y'all know why I pulled that one out. Marcuse was also a lieutenant in the United States Navy during World War II, having served on a submarine and was awarded the Silver Star Medal for Valor in Combat. So happy birthday and most impressive career and pre-career to Theo Marcuse. Happy birthday. And last but certainly not least, we are celebrating the life of David Warner today. David Warner was the English actor who played St. John Talbot in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, later played... Great movie. Excellent, excellent movie. As I was saying, later played Gorkhan in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and then later played Gull Madrid in The Next Generation's six-season episodes, Chain of Commands, Part 1 and 2. Uh, so three different really pivotal roles, I think, which is really cool. He would later reprise that role of the Klingon Gorkon for the video game Star Trek Klingon Academy. One thing I didn't know before today was that Warner actually took over the role of Gull Madred on only three days' notice. And although he had previously appeared in Star Trek V and Star Trek VI, he knew absolutely nothing about the Cardassians from Next Generation before he took over the role, which I just think is so cool. He only had three days' notice, and it is one of those pivotal roles, right? There are five lights. In the U.S., Warner became well-known for his role as the unfortunate Keith Jennings, a photojournalist who becomes one of the evil Damien's victims in the classic horror movie, The Omen. I know you love that one, Paul. Oh, yeah, that pane of glass, brother. That and pane his, of glass. Absolutely, and his penchant for villainous roles carried over to voice acting, actually. And the one that I kind of know him best for is that he was the voice of Ra's al Ghul in the Batman animated series back in the day. Good point. Uh, there are so many things we could say about this guy. I mean, you're talking War of the Roses, Tron, The Man with Two Brains, The Lost World, uh, The Hunter. He was Babylon 5. He was in Doctor Who. Paul, what else do you want to say about David Warner? Oh, dude, there's uh, there's so much. Time Bandits, let's not forget that. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like everything, right? You look at his credits and you're like, oh, seen that, seen that, seen that, seen that. No, uh, he's, it's, uh, it's, he's absolutely a legend. I mean, he's, this is a guy with like over 200 acting credits to his name, right? And he's just, you know, uh, it's not surprising when you say that he took on that role with very little notice because this guy's a consummate pro. It's yeah. like, what kind of notice does he need? It's just like, he just shows up and he's like, what do you need? I'll do it. And, uh, you know, he's a classically trained Shakespearean actor. He's been on just, you know, a million different shows and movies, uh, very often uh, 
cast as the villain, obviously, but uh, but just a, a class act all the way. I mean, you cannot possibly fail to recognize David Warner's voice. He's just fantastic. So uh, really, really great. And so nice to have so many aspects of the Star Trek universe that uh, contain him. So wonderful. Yeah, spanning over multi-generations too, which is so cool. I just love that. So uh, David Warner also would have had a birthday on July 29th. That was our popular happy birthday. And we do miss you, David Warner. We lost him just back in July of last year, aged 80 years old. So happy birthday, David Warner. And that, you guys does it for our remembrances. So I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle over to Mr. Charles. Take it away, Charles. Thank you. Let's start off with Day Young, who appeared as Hannah Bates in Star Trek's Next Generation. This is an episode, The Masterpiece Society. Arissa in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This is an episode, Simple Investigation. And Kayla in Star Trek Enterprise's first season episodes, Two Days and Two Nights. A little interesting is that her first movie was Rock and Roll High School. And for a few of us, she was the waitress on Spaceballs. I guarantee if you, you're looking like, oh, I remember that waitress. So happy birthday day. Happy birthday, Dominic Burgress, British actor who played Mr. Vup in Star Trek Picard's first season episode, Star City, Star City Rag. And this is for Eric. He played Agorix in Doctor's episode, Bad Wolf. Bad Wolf. Oh. Oh. Such an iconic episode. And then it continues and continues and continues. And it, well, it led up to that episode and yeah. continued. Good stuff. Yes. Happy, <coughs> happy birthday to Jay Loudon, who, who portrayed Leotar in Star Trek Next Generation first season episode, Justice. Michael Bell from Brooklyn, New York, who played Zorn in Star Trek Next Generation first season episode, Encounter at Farpoint. Forum in Star Trek D Space Nine second season episode Homecoming and Drofo Awa in Marquis R2 Lair that season. Looking at Michael's credits as voice work, let me, go, let me do a few of them since he's been doing acting and voicing since 1956. Appeared in several new Scooby Doo movies. Bean Buggy, Plastic Man, Superfans, Voltron, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Rugrats, and a list of others. Definitely a well-known voice in animation growing up. Birthday to John Carroll Lynch, American actor who played Gerald Boss in Star Trek Voyager's fifth season episode, 1159. Richard Fancy played Captain Satellic in Star Trek's fifth season episode, First Duty. Also appeared as a uh, Voyager alien in second season episode, Tattoo. Joanna Cassidy portrayed Teles in Star Trek's 
fourth season episode, Home and Awakening. Appeared as Zora in Blade Runner. She auditioned and won the title role for the television series Wonder Woman, but ended up losing to Linda Carter. They were both considered for the role of Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. Neil Casey, actor, comedian, writer, voiced the recurring role of Ensign Casey in Star Trek's Lower Decks, four episodes. He has been a writer for 20 episodes of Saturday Night Live from 2013 to current. Bridget Walsh played Rugby in Star Trek and the second season episode, First Flight. And then, especially for Jim, who constantly posts a reminder that he is silly for Tilly. <laughs> Happy birthday to Mary Wiseman, actress who played Sylvia Tilly in Star Trek Discoveries, also appeared as Captain Killy, and appeared in the Short Treks episode, Runaway. Also, seen married to Noah Averbatch Katz, who's been a guest on Trek Talking, and also has had some appearances on uh, the YouTube series uh, Disco Does D Disco Does D and D. So probably we'll hopefully see Mary Wiseman some way or another over the weekend. Starfleet we'll Academy. Talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see. That's where she, maybe. I think, you know, should show up. But <laughs> well, and we found out that uh, who one of the writers on that's going to be. I think that's going to be interesting. That's seeing right. Mariner doing some writing to that series. Oh, that's cool. Yep. She's yeah. been officially announced that she will be one of the writers for that series. Has Tawny Newsome? I assume she's done some writing stuff before. I, I must admit I don't have her like not, thing right in front of me, but not major. But her, okay, she did. She did such good work in these old scientists that somebody would say, "I want to see more of your work," huh. and turn around awesome. and said, "Okay, fine, you're." Gonna be one of our writers. Well, we love candle. you, Mary, and we love you, Mary, and please come talk to us. <laughs> I'll try to make that uh, happen. Let's take, <laughs> so let's take this burning candle and toss it over to Paul, so that Paul doesn't burn it out. All right, James. I mean, Charles, <laughs> Bob, Larry, Dirk, Vic, my brother, my brother Daryl, Hank, whatever the hell your name is. Sorry. <laughs> I think the time's getting to me. I think we need to accelerate a bit, given the lateness of the hour. So happy birthday to Janetta Arnett, the actress who played Dr. Karen Lowe's 
in the Deep Space Nine six-season episode, Statistical Probabilities. Kind of like when every grade ends in a 9.3 or a 8.65. Statistical probabilities, right? A lot of numbers. Happy birthday goes to Sandra Smith. Oh, here we go. Who played infamous Janice Lester in third season and series ending final episode, Turnabout Intruder. Boy, uh, set the feminist moving back about 150 years there, Sandra. But we love you anyway. <laughs> Just Janice Lester. Wow, what a character, right? And super happy birthday to actress France Nguyen, who played the memorable role of Elan of Troyes in the original series, third season episode, Elan of Troyes. And this is an actress who is ubiquitous across the landscape of 70s television. She was in Police Woman, Hawaii Five-0, Charlie's Angels, Columbo, Fantasy Island, Trapper John MD, uh, you name it. She was all over the place. St. Elsewhere later on, uh, Knott's Landing, uh, uh, original uh, South Pacific. I mean, she's just on so many great films and TV appearances. Uh, very iconic um, and wonderful. Uh, wonderful. You watch that role. Uh, if you haven't watched uh, uh, of Troyes in a while, she is a powerhouse in that role. She's just fantastic. So, and I understand uh, still doing the convention circuit pretty regularly. So if you're out there, you probably have a chance to meet France again at some point in the, the future. And she is a, a treasure. So go and say hello if you do. Happy birthday also to Doug Wirt who appeared as Jack Crusher in the Next Generation episodes Family, Violations, and Journey's End. Uh, very often as a hologram, a uh, message bearer uh, of sorts. But uh, Doug Wirt, we salute you, sir. And uh, the uh, progeny that you uh, reared <laughs> in the land of fantasy. Happy birthday go out to the great English actor Stephen Burkhoff, who played Hagoth in the Deep Space Nine for the season episode Business as Usual. Uh, really tremendous actor and teacher, uh, Stephen Burkhoff. You'll see him playing uh, bad guys in all kinds of different things because he's just super intense looking. But uh, has contributed a lot to the world of theater in his time as well. So Stephen Burkhoff, awesome. They are also part of Star Trek. Birthday greetings and felicitations to Artemis Pebdani, who voiced Ensign Caravitus in the Lower Dicks first season. Did I say Lower Dicks? Oh, that was such a faux pas. I'll, no, I'll never do that again. In the Star Trek Lower Decks fifth season episode, Terminal Provocations, as well as the third season episode, Room for Growth. And the birthday train just continues because it's Paul Lambert's birthday recently who played Melian in the next-gen first-season episode, When the Bow Breaks, and Howard Clark in the fourth-season episode, Devil's Do. Took a couple years off, and then the agent rings up the phone, and we're back on next-gen again. Happy birthday to Nikki Godani, who played Admiral Havas in the Strange New World second-season episode, Ad Astra Per Aspera, which is becoming pretty much one of everyone's most classic favorite episodes. So wonderful that, Nikki, you got to be a part of that. Greetings also, and happy birthday to Molly Hagen, who played Eris in the Deep Space Nine second season episodes, The Jem'Hadar, The Search Part Two, and The Ship. And finally for me, it's birthday greetings of a bodacious variety to the great Susan Denberg, a German-born Austrian chorus dancer and... Uh, <clears throat> 1966 Playboy Playmate, who played Magda Kovacs in the original series first season episode, Mudd's Women, part of Harry Mudd's stable of uh, 
chemically induced beauties there that uh, ended up marrying some miners out in the uh, great dilithium wastelands. Uh, Susan Denberg certainly uh, caught everyone's attention in that first season episode. And that's all I've got for birthdays. Happy birthday to all of you fabulous uh, luminaries of the Star Trek universe. I'll pass things over to Uncle Jim. Well, I've only got four, but there's some pretty good ones. Uh, we want to say happy birthday to Melanie Shatner. And that name might sound familiar to you because that's Captain Picard's daughter from Star Trek The Next Generation. So uh, we got to say happy birthday to Melanie Shatner. And why are we wishing her a happy birthday? Because Melanie Shatner is a former actress who appeared in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, as the jogger in the park. Remember when the bird of prey shows up and blows them away? Well, she was one of the joggers in the park. But but I know and love her, the yeoman from Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the best Star Trek movie ever. So happy birthday to Melanie mm. Shatner. And uh, she also wrote a book called Captain's Log, The Making of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. So happy birthday to Melanie Shatner. Uh, this one saddens me a little bit but is my favorite character. We want to say happy, happy birthday to Agnes Emery, the British actor who voices Zero on Star Trek Prodigy. I wish they, wow, I'm not even going to go there. Happy birthday to Agnes. And here's a, here's a real good one, guys. Happy birthday to Will Wheaton. That's right, Will Wheaton. He's known for playing Wesley Crusher. He showed up on Picard. We found out that he was a uh, supervisor for the Travelers, which is pretty cool. He, of course, hosts the Ready Room. We saw him briefly show up on um, uh, Star Trek Insurrection um, at the wedding of Deanna Troy and uh, Riker. And I got to tell you, he takes a lot of flack, but Will Wheaton is a class act because way back in the 90s when I was doing Star Trek conventions, the company who shall not be named, was snatching away all my actors and paying them more to go somewhere else. My phone rang. It was Will Wheaton. And uh, Will Wheaton says, hey, guys, um, you're looking for someone to come to your convention? I'll come. And he showed up at my convention, and he was awesome. So happy birthday to Will Wheaton, and thank you so much. And last but not least, this is a connection Back to the uh, birthday that we started at the top of the birthday list. We want to say happy, happy birthday to Carol Striken, who, of course, of course, uh, was in Star Trek The Next Generation as Mr. Holmes, Luana Troy's um, servant. Uh, but he also played Lurch in the Adams Family remakes in the 90s. So happy birthday to Carl Striken. Uh, some of you may know him as well. Uh, because he was in the Ewok Adventure. He was the big evil, I forgot his name, he was the evil warlock dude in the Ewok Adventures. And that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays, believe it or not. And now it's time for some Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. 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 Black alert.
All right, guys, we're going to talk about uh, the Star Trek uh, musical episode, which is actually on right now. I've asked my other co-hosts not to watch this episode yet because I really, it's really important that we get honest, unbiased opinions about this. So, um, Eric, you want to start us off? Yeah, we have an article that says why Strange New Worlds is doing a Star Trek musical now. Strange New Worlds is finally doing a musical episode fulfilling a long-held dream of writer Ronald D. Moore. The musical episode will feature 10 original songs and showcase the musical talents of Christina Chong and Celia Rose Gooding. Despite other TV shows having done musical episodes before, the unique nature of Star Trek doing its first one may set it apart. The episodic nature of Strange New Worlds allows for experimentation with different genres. Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody, will be the musical episode, but here's why the Star Trek franchise waited 57 years to tackle this classic genre. Despite many attempts over the years, Subspace Rhapsody will be the first Star Trek musical episode as Strange New Worlds continues to embrace multiple genres in its storytelling. With music and lyrics by Kay Hanley and Tom Polchi, Subspace Rhapsody features 10 original songs which will showcase the musical talents of Christina Chong and Celia Rose Gooding. A musical episode of Star Trek was a long-held dream of writer and producer Ronald D. Moore, who has proposed, proposed such an idea for both Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. However, he was met with opposition from the production team on both Star Trek shows. Star Trek Strange New Worlds executive producers Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman, Akiva Goldsman, and Henry Alonzo Myers have no such qualms about doing a musical episode, and it feels perfectly in keeping with Strange New Worlds' embracing of different ranges of genres. Christina Chong is a talented singer in her own right, with her first EP, Twin Flames, due for release in August. Meanwhile, Celia Rose Gooding won a Best Musical Theater Album Grammy for the Alanis Morissette musical Jagged Little Pill, for which she was also nominated a Tony Award. It seems like a no-brainer for Strange New Worlds to finally be doing the long-awaited Star Trek musical episode and i believe jim that you may have a soundbite for us a trailer for this episode is that correct
So I wanted to talk about this episode um, because it's a big thing in the world of Star Trek, and I've stayed off social media. I don't know anything about this episode other than that trailer I just played. So um, I seem to be in the minority, and that's fine. I I love Star Trek V. I'm used to being in the minority. Um, I'm not a musical fan at all. Um, I like Grease. There's like a, a, a very small handful of musicals that I like. Wizard of Oz, you know, uh, um, Willy Wonka. But for the most part, I'm not a musical fan. I, I don't like musicals. It's just not my thing. So I'm not really excited about this episode um, at all. And if I remember correctly, we've already had a Star Trek episode that dealt with alien races that communicate through music in season one with the episode Children of the Comet where Uhura was on her first away mission and she was humming and the thing opened up and then she communicated with this whole language through song. So we've already seen that. So how they're going to put a fresh twist on something we've already done, I don't know. Um, I, I love music. Music really influences the way I feel about a scene. But in this particular case, I don't want to watch a bunch of people running around yelling, it's my cash. I want it now. Call J.G. Wentworth. I just, it just doesn't thrill me. So my expectations for this episode are very low, very low. So it sounds I'm, like I'm you're, you're going in with uh, a lot of preconceptions, it sounds like. Well, based on the musicals that I've seen, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting not much from it at all. Okay. I really am not. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I, I don't expect it. And the reason why... Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, you know, uh, Anson just belts it out and Ethan belts it out, and I'm wrong. And I'll admit if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm not – this is not – this is like the, the episode to me, the Elysium Kingdom that they did last year, which I just absolutely couldn't stand. Um, so hopefully I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. Um, but we'll see. We'll so see. if you're standing along with it, would you tell us? What I tell you? <laughs> that when you're wrong, that you loved the episode and you were singing along with it, you would tell us, right? Well, I would come on the show and I would sing. I would sing <laughs> you a song of the episode. Because, yeah, Why Jim, we were going to actually, uh, we took a vote, all of us, uh, without telling you. We actually, in two weeks when we talk about uh, tonight's episode that airs today, we, we thought we should do the entire Trek Talking episode as a musical. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that's what the consensus was. I'm right? in. So we've already, uh, Eric's working up some stuff for us, and we've already got started on that. So that that's kind of our approach, right? You should honor honor the thing. But uh, but uh, I'm I'm going into it myself, man, with an open mind. Right. I mean, it's just like you've talked about yourself. Right. I mean, it, I don't think anybody does a better job of engaging on the uh, Internet that I've seen across numerous uh, Star Trek web pages. And there's just, you know, so many of them. But Jim does the best job of uh, of advocating for variety and diversity within the Star Trek universe, that it be an inclusive universe, that it be one that everybody has a place to, to sit at the table. I've heard Jim talk about the Star Trek as a restaurant, right? Maybe you don't like that particular dish. Okay, so instead of ordering the clams, order pizza. Not every dish is for you, right? So I think given that, right, I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about uh, Stranger Worlds is they have not been 
hamstrung or wedded to a particular genre or format. They have the freedom to experiment. Sometimes they do broad comedy, uh, like they've done a couple times with Spock. And if somebody had told me 10 years ago that I would be championing Spock comedy episodes, I would have said they were out of their mind. But they pulled it off because they had a fresh approach. And I think that that's great. So I think that, you know, it's always better to give them a chance, right? Let's go in with an open mind is my perspective. Let's see what they do, right? Rather than be, uh, you know, judge it before we've even seen it. That seems silly to me, especially when we've already just heard the trailer to it. So it's hard to be very, you know, know, it's hard not to have any preconceptions when we just heard like 90 seconds of what we're not supposed to have preconceptions for. But you know what I'm saying? I, I just think that it's good that there are not, uh, slaves to format or canon that they're willing to try different things and so it's it it sounds to me like they're not being stuffy they just want to have fun with this right and probably uh they had a vision and let's find out we'll see we'll watch it we'll see if they uh, succeeded in it what do you think eric wow i completely agree with you Paul. um i not only am very excited about this episode but i feel like it is with it is in the spirit of Star Trek and the Idic that we at least give the episode a chance. Um, you know, you can not like musicals except Bruce and whatever. You can not like singing. You can think that it's cheesy that people are going to sing a song. But uh, if you're a true student of the Idic, you are probably going to give things a chance. And you're probably going to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to approach this with an open mind. Give it a go. Now, now, listen, I'm kind of on the opposite end. I am actually approaching this with enthusiasm, and I can't help it. Uh, I love musicals. I love all musicals. I probably see two or three dozen musicals a year. Um, we're theater patrons, so we go see musicals all the time. Uh, I just saw six last weekend. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I feel like this is going to be something that um, speaks to me from the heart, like uh, – if you're a person who likes musicals, what is usually the case, I don't want to say this is universal, but what is usually the case is that music speaks to you in a particular way and it can bring out emotions that dialogue can't bring out. Um, and usually that's connected to lyrics and presentation and actual performance quality and that sort of stuff. So me personally, I'm super excited about it and I can't wait to watch it. I don't know. What do you think, Charles? Well, as I was obviously kind of missing last week because I was meeting up with a friend of mine and we were heading up into the mountains to go watch the musical production of Something's Rot, Something Rot. And that's the second musical as I saw Cinderella earlier this year at that venue. I will be seeing Kinky Boots next month. I've always enjoyed a good musical theater. I've watched a lot of musical theater. I enjoy it. Uh, Let's see if I go down the line. Rock of Ages, Rent, Kinky Boots are three different soundtracks that are in my music collection that I'll sit there and go through and love. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this episode. What do you think, David? Honestly, I am kind of there with Jim a little bit, but I do like musicals. I'm not saying I don't like musicals. I just, uh, 
I grew up with a very musical family, and um, I can sing probably, I don't know. It's just, to me, uh, for some reason, the sing, uh, musical is just, this doesn't seem to fit in the Star Trek for me for some reason. And I'm hoping it's good, but we'll see. Well, all Do right. we still have Nate? Nate Do we still have Nate on the line? Nate still there? Nope. Nate, you still okay. with us? Nope. Sorry, nope. yes, I am still here. Oh. So what do you think, Nate? Are you looking forward to it? Well, uh, as I posted you guys, I have already seen it. All right. And so. I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, and you guys see my comments uh, of uh, how much I watched the episode in in our little chat box there. So, uh, but I was not looking forward to seeing it from the get go because we're discussing. Hey, you you know you want to keep an open mind and, and such. As soon as it was advertised that this was going to happen. Uh, I was already in negative mode, I'll admit that, because I don't feel that um, Star Trek is the right place for a musical. I do enjoy musicals. I've seen Cats, Phantom of the Opera, uh, Caw at the MGM. Um, I, you know, I'm, uh, Disney animations are all, uh, the old school ones are all musical types. I'm fine with musicals. I just, I don't think it fits in Star Trek. So that's, that's my, my, my story on it without spoiling anything about it. Did you think that before you saw the first uh, little bit there, Nate? I'm curious. Did you approach Did it with it? Did you think that Star Trek was an inappropriate place for musicals before you started? Yes. Okay. So as Great. soon as, soon so as you and Jim are on the same page. That, that, that was uh, going to be a musical episode, I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. So, okay. um, so yeah. So right off the bat, I went in already with the negative vibe about it. And, and uh, in my opinion, I was proved right about the negative vibe. But, hey, if you guys enjoy it, more power to you. I, I hope I mean, you do enjoy it. This is just fascinating to me because I can't think of another Star Trek episode that has – kind of like pre-divided the fans before the thing even came out simply based on genre. It's just like, it's not a thing that I have heard before. And, um, you know, if we had known, for example, like the first episode of Discovery was going to be really almost like a horror episode, right? With the tardigrade, <laughs> like, like, would we have had a different opinion about it before we went into it? So, I, yeah. yeah. It's fa it's fascinating to me um, that we just haven't seen this before. This sort of division of, you know, I like musicals, but I don't think Star Trek's the right place. But I haven't seen it yet. And and going back to this week's discussion about uh, those old scientists and the fact that yes, uh, apparently it was brought up at San Diego Comic Con last year. I don't think that this uh, last week's episode had had the same type of of like you're saying, dividedness, um, 
that maybe this episode uh, being advertised in advance um, had. I think more people still were willing to go. Uh, I was. Uh, as soon as I found out about it last year when uh, it was discovered, um, I, I, I didn't go into that one, uh, those old scientists, with any kind of preconception of I'm going to, this, this isn't the right place for it. Whereas I did with this episode uh, with the advertising of it way before it happened. But Nate, you, is it fair to say you generally like Lower Decks? I do generally like Lower Decks, yes. Okay, so that that's pretty clear to me then because, you know, the episode was advertised and you're like, oh, I like Lower Decks, I like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, um, they're going to meld the two, it's a little weird, but I'm open to it. So I what I'm having a trouble understanding is why, and I know you've already seen it, so I, I don't want you to answer this question, but like right. maybe some of the other guys who haven't seen it yet. So I'm having a trouble understanding why this is different, why we don't want to give this one the same chance that we've given everything else. I mean, Jim's already made up his mind. Um, David's kind of already made up his mind. So I don't, I don't understand why that's the case. But basically what both you guys said was they got to knock it out the park for it to be really good. And, um, and I'm not seeing the difference between that and the, the, genre bending, you know, TOS episode, honestly, personally. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, you know, Eric, it's because just be, in the words of Gorkin's daughter in Star Trek Six, just because we can do a thing doesn't necessarily mean we should do a thing. And, you know, we could make anything a musical. That doesn't make mean it's the right thing to do. We could do a musical of the Lone Ranger. We could do a musical of Bonanza. We could do a musical of anything. That doesn't mean it fits that particular genre because a musical is a genre in and of itself. Not, it's, it's a different, totally different thing. Or do not see that. But yeah. Well, also the I fact mean, that... Uh, sorry, this is the, the genre situation is that they also mentioned that Star Trek for Strange New Worlds is also supposed to go in episodic order. So all of a sudden them breaking out in the scening, it's like, okay, this must be like some sort of alien influence, or if not, then there's got to be some sort of weird situation why they have all of a sudden broke from what they do normally to all of Dude, a sudden... It could, it could be any of a million things. It could be, you know, know. M- is in a coma and this is all a dream. Yeah. I mean, it could be there's a million different ways you could have a If that's the case, device. then, yeah, then that might be a pretty good episode. But it's just pure but fantasy. Just, I mean, there's a lot of different ways we, you can approach it. Well, it cracks me up when we, when we layer levels of reality on a show where they travel faster than light and meet aliens on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> okay. But it's interesting. Um, it's, it's, uh, it does okay seem like uh, it seems like there's a lot of common. Uh, it almost like sounds a little bit. I mean, we really. I don't know if we're ever going to get to anywhere on the news stories here or not, but because uh, this is ubiquitous. We will not. <laughs> but it's. it's yeah, I think good point. But it seems like uh, the 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 uh, there's a similar sound to me. Maybe it's just like how certain songs sounds like another sound. But there's a similar sound to me in some of these objections. That sounds similar to when people find things about discovery they don't like, right? Where it's kind of like, well, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's a good fit for me. I don't like that in my Star Trek kind of a thing, right? And there's people that you're, where all of a sudden there's, you know, explorations of 
perhaps more modern or more socially pioneering things that seem threatening to people because they're different, right? And we've been sort of beating back against that and defending uh, the right to try things different and not be, you know, married to the past with discovery. And this is kind of reminding me a little bit of that. Uh, I'm not sure if that is. It just the tone seems similar, a, a, a reflexive uh, resistance when the content hasn't even been digested yet. I think that's interesting. Well, I think the big difference is that doing a musical is 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 not in any way, shape, or form the same as as diversity and representation on Discovery. It it's is. It's absolutely the same. It's, it's a different approach to telling a story, dude. You're yeah. just locked no, into your definition people. of what storytelling is. You want it's it to true. be a certain way. People don't walk around the streets singing at each other, and then they're they're attacked and 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 uh, laws. Then how do you how do you ascribe them. something like West Side Story? That's well, people with don't go conflict. around the streets being talked to by aliens or any of the things that we see on Star Trek. Come on, let's let's like we keep saying oh, yeah. that would never happen, but it's so, like all so of Star Trek is. So fiction. you're saying, so what you're saying is that somebody being ostracized because they're gay is the same exact thing as Strange New Worlds wanting to do a musical? You're, you're saying, saying they're on the same level? I'm saying the resistance to something that someone's not comfortable with seems to have kind of a, 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 you know, a familiarity to it. That it's just like, I don't like this. I'm not, this isn't what I'm used to having. I don't like this. I don't want to see this here. I mean, how often have we heard similar sounding retorts against uh, chosen methods of storytelling, right? I'm just saying, give it a shot. Don't be so, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like dogma. To me, and I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm nervous around dogma. Maybe it's that. So maybe, um, I'm wondering if the whole episode is not going to be a musical. Maybe they, it is an alien influence or they're actually talking to aliens or something, but Maybe they have to scene in communication. I don't know, but I'm I'm wondering if the entire episode is probably maybe fifty percent musical only. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I I, I do find it interesting though that um, some of the boards I've been on, I've been I've been called a fat old bald guy that doesn't understand Star Trek. Um, that I'm too close-minded <laughs> to see what it's about. And I hear the same thing coming from you guys. And that just amazes me. I don't think any of us are saying that, Jim. Not at all. We're just saying give it a shot. I, I, I don't like musicals. It's, it's that yeah, but no one, no one like here is rocking. denigrating you personally, okay? No one's doing that. I mean, no one said uh, anything even remotely like that. It's okay you don't like musicals. It's okay. I but hope, what we're saying is that if you're, if you're a real fan of Star Trek, which you are, will give the episode a chance, and even though you're going in with some preconceived notions, if it comes out and knocks your socks off, you're going to be happy, right? If it's, if it's a good episode and I enjoy it, I absolutely, I will sing my score for you guys. Yeah, so what we're, so what we're saying is that, is that, Jim, just like any episode, we would ask, as your Trexperts, that you approach this episode with an open mind, that you think, ah, maybe it won't be, I don't love musicals, but maybe there's a message in here that resonates with me. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But like Paul said, you know, that's the great thing about Star Trek is we have 
a whole bunch of choices these days. And if you don't like one episode of Strange New Worlds, well, it's unfortunate that it's 10% of the episodes that were offered in a in a season. Yeah. But it's okay to not like that one episode and to like yeah. the other nine episodes, right? No, and it's just like, I, I it's like, like there's the been a million of... What were you saying, Paul? I was just going to say, there's like, you know, there's probably been a, a, a huge percentage of, you know, Picard episodes and, and a few Strange New Worlds episodes that I've just not liked, right? But every time I sit down and I put play, I'm sitting down hoping it's a good one. I want it to be good every single time. I'm never rooting for an episode or assuming it's going to suck, right? I'm always hoping that it's going to be, this is something that's new. Maybe it's something I haven't seen before. Maybe it's a way of telling a story that's new to me. And somebody's bringing a fresh perspective that I haven't been open to before that changes my way of thinking. That would be cool. Right. I'm, I'm hoping for that every single time that they're, they're, and I just, I commend these folks for not being afraid to try something different. I mean, it's just, it's such a, I mean, it's hard after 58 years, dude, to come up with fresh content. I have to imagine. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, there's so much, you know, uh, adherence to, you know, I mean, to doing things the same way, especially in a business that's so driven by the bottom line and money, by money, money and by money, you know, money. safe choices, safe <laughs> choices, right? And it's just, you know, we see that time and time again. I mean, how many sequels are quote-unquote reimaginings of previous <sighs> things have we seen in the last few years, you know? And these guys are trying to do something different, right? And clearly, uh, they're enjoying themselves. I, I think that in and of itself deserves uh, a pat on the back and at least to be open to it. But, uh, you know, I mean, that, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I hope they succeed. I'll be delighted if they succeed. I'll be disappointed if they don't. But I'm certainly not sitting there with my arms folded, you know, hoping that it's uh, that my assumptions are correct. I don't know. I don't think that does anybody any favors. Right. And just just in terms of, you know, having an open mind is all I'm saying. Well, I think I think that I think that because I don't like musicals doesn't mean that I'm just going to sit here and we'll, we'll see. We have to wait two weeks, guys. Believe it or not, two weeks to find out if I'm right or if I'm wrong. If I'm going to sing an episode or not, we have to wait two weeks because <laughs> our schedule is so out of whack that I can't even tell you what we're doing next. You got to go to our page and check it out. We've got guests scheduled. We've got all kinds of shows, and I, the dates keep changing because this one's mother-in-law got sick. That one, it's crazy. You go to our Facebook page and check our events to find out what's next. But what I can tell you is that next week we are going to be talking about Under the Cloak of War, and that's going to be a fun, fun conversation. That'll be next Thursday. And the following Thursday is going to be the Trek Talking musical episode. Eric's going to whip up some song, and we're all going to sing for you. So that's going to be two weeks from today. That gives you something to look forward to. And believe it or not, we're just about out of time. Wow. No. So, just incredible. So please head over to our Facebook page and click on the event, and you'll see we have a lot of great shows coming up. Josh Durkins is going to be joining us to talk about Star Trek Alliance Part 1, 2, and 3 and Star Trek Discovery Black Alert. And I'm the 14th, the 21st, I'm not sure. I don't want to give you the date. I'll screw it up. But check that out. We're also going to be having Robin Curtis and Vaj Patenka on. We're going to be doing the Star Trek 3 reunion. You have to check that out, too. And one date that I do know, Susie Plaxton, who played Kalar 
on Star Trek The Next Generation will be with us on the 10th when we talk about Under the Cloak of War. So if you guys are fans of hers, you want to tune in on the 10th. And that, as they say, is that. So I want to say thank you so much to Nate for calling tonight. Thank you, Nate. You're welcome. I have a quick question for you. What is uh, Star Trek Discovery Black Alert? It's a new game that Josh Durkins worked on after he got done with Star Trek Alliance, and he mentioned it last time he was on the podcast, but he couldn't talk about it, and now he can. So he's going to be on to talk about about Star Trek game called uh, Black Alert Star Trek Discovery. So we'll talk to him about that. And I think that's on the 14th, I think, at any rate. And uh, thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Eric. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, guys. And thank you so much, Paul, for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Jim, it's my pleasure. I love uh, Trek talking Thursday. <laughs> I hope that you find something to like. I hope you touch your battlers. I hope you don't watch Star Trek V for the 530th time. Because you need something different, Jim. You need to let go. You need to never go to Long Island again. And you need to go not take the show. I need my pain. I love my pain. My pain makes me who I am. Share your pain. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. And uh, thank you so much to Donut Guy David, even though he didn't bring the donuts. Thank you, David. Yeah, that's fun. Um, Looking forward to the seating episode. (laughs) We're going to have a blast. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, you're welcome. And just want to tell fans out there, if you happen to be at Star Trek Las Vegas, come to the USS Las Vegas table Saturday or Sunday. I will be there. But I only get Passing to go on Saturday talk. and Sunday. Yeah, I will have Charles is going to be singing. <laughs> He'll be singing Trek talking dirges for you the whole weekend. So you want to check that out. Definitely. <laughs> And I want to let you guys know that, as always, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good Good night. night. We'll see you next week. Good night. 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 Live long and prosper. (laughs) Good night. Good night. (laughs) I hope you sleep too. <laughs> what happened? Keep going, keep going. <laughs> Sign off. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. M I C. See you real soon. Track talking, track talking. Yay, track talking. It's going to be okay, guys. It's going to be okay. Good night, everybody. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> Let's see what's out there. Engage.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.